I'm ready. You ready? We have the tissues standing by. <laughs> yeah, they're ready to go. <laughs> and that day I said, hey, we're on our way to dinner. We're almost there. Can I call you back? He said, it'll just take a minute. So like I knew from that moment Ugh. something was like happening. Lose my This is really hard to talk about without crying. I, know. I was literally thinking like I was on my way to being a blind person. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're rolling. All right. We're rolling. <laughs> okay. We're here with a big one. (laughs) Welcome back. We are more than just a mother-daughter duo. We are best friends, business partners, dance partners, and more. Despite living on opposite sides of the country, we talk every single day. And we talk about it all. Work, life, social media, family, hopes, dreams, goals, and nothing is off the table. So we're inviting you to the chat. This is yours truly, a glimpse into what goes on behind the TikToks, inside our conversations, even those extremely long tangents. When you join the chat, you're not just a listener. You're officially part of the family. So this is a big episode. This is a huge one. But today we're going to talk about, I'm going to call you mom in this episode. Oh, boy. I know. It's like the fifth, whatever wall, (laughs) the fourth wall, the third wall. What wall is it? I don't know. It's funny. (laughs) She's not going to call me Helen. Okay. Today we're going to talk about mom's cancer journey because it not just affected her life, our life as a family, but the lives of hundreds of thousands of followers who watched her journey play out on social media. We're going to recount the most exhausting, terrifying, and uplifting moments of the journey from going completely blind in the matter of two weeks to getting a diagnosis, shaving her head, and more. Woo! Here we go. I'm ready. You ready? We have the tissue standing by. (laughs) Yeah, they're ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Elliot. Okay, so where to begin? I feel like we should begin with you starting to lose your vision. Okay. Right? That seems like a natural start. (laughs) It was really crazy because a very noticeable time when I was losing the vision was when I was hired as a TikTok director for another shoot where Mm -hmm. I was shooting the TikToks for a commercial director who was shooting a commercial. So I was noticing, I was in the city and I was noticing that when I looked down, the pavement looked wavy. Mm-hmm. It didn't look right. Like I was like, it almost looks like the, the, the road is like bumpy. And that's the first part where I noticed something's wrong with my vision. I maybe I should go see the eye doctor and see what's going on. All right. So then a few days later, uh, it really started to get dark where I almost had like a part, like a curtain was kind of over my vision. And one of my neighbors, who's a doctor, actually said, oh, it sounds like you have a detached retina. You need to get that taken care of right away. Because if you have a detached retina and it detaches all the way, it's a much bigger deal to repair than if you detach it before, when then, than if you repair it. So I went dashing off to an eye hospital thinking, I have a detached retina. I got to get surgery because I got to get on a plane to LA and I had a shoot going on. So I was in a panic that I was going to, you know, have to get this thing taken care of and I went dashing off Mm -hmm. and then I found out it's not a detached retina and they didn't know what it was so there was a two-week period where I slowly proceeded to go blind Mm -hmm. more and more into the dark every day and got on a plane to LA did a shoot came back and was more blind than when I left the whole thing was you did an insane amount of things it was insane without any vision and I remember the day you went to the eye specialist and you were driving because I think it was like Memorial Day weekend yeah and we were going out to dinner and we were walking to dinner and you called me and you you are very good that if I if you call me and I'm in the middle of something and I say, Hey, I'm in the middle of something, I'll call you back. You're like, Okay, bye. Or you just mm-hmm. you end it. And that day I said, Hey, we're on our way to dinner, we're almost there. Can I call you back? He said, It'll just take a minute. And I knew like my stomach dropped because I knew like if it wasn't something bad, you wouldn't have right. you would have been like, Okay, oh go enjoy your dinner, this can wait, you know? 
So, like, I knew from that moment something was, like, happening, which is, yeah. Yeah. And was that the day that I called you um, when I knew what my, when I was at the emergency room? No, this is when you were driving to the... To the eye hospital. The eye hospital for the first time. Yeah, things were scary and things were darkening every day. And I thought I was going to lose my... (laughs) This is really hard to talk about without crying. I I was literally thinking, like, I was on my way to being a blind person. Mm -hmm. And... They couldn't figure out why. And yeah. it was terrifying. And, you know, Tom was setting up the apartment and the shelves so that I could find things like that. Mm-hmm. That's some of my memory, my early memories of this experience of yeah. like, I can't see things. So he would set things up so that I could see them. And I thought, I don't want to live my life like this. Like, this is not who I am. Mm-hmm. And what am I going to do? I was terrified. But it was just this period of denial. Like, I can still see enough. This is just like mm-hmm. something that's temporary. And you were put on steroids because it was supposed to help. Right. And then you woke up with extreme stomach pain one day. Yes. So the really weird thing is I thought, I have these pain, this pain in my stomach now. Why is this happening when I'm in the midst of trying to deal with this other thing, with my mm-hmm. blindness? But luckily, it was like my stomach was the wake-up call because I went to an emergency room because I thought I was having either an appendix attack or some kidney stone thing. And they did the scans, and that's when they found, quote, masses all across my abdomen that they were attributing to a lot of cancer things that were being thrown on the table at that time. Ovarian cancer, uterine cancer, all these horrible, scary things. But with limited testing, that's all that they mm-hmm. could tell me me like hypothetically until I dove in deeper Mm -hmm. so in a way my stomach pain kind of saved me because they they were able to find what was the source of my eye problem and I think back to even months before you even started having stomach pain we went on a trip in February and you were like I just get full so fast Mm -hmm. I like don't know what it is but like I don't need to like I'm eating and I just feel so full like like, I'm not eating any differently and I just feel so full and I'm having a lot of stomach aches so it's almost like because I have thought about it a lot like when did this start like thank goodness you caught it but like when did this start because yeah it was a strange thing where I would you know I would eat an apple and I'd be like god I'm so full this is so Mm -hmm. painful but I thought well maybe because I'm getting older you don't need to eat enough you know I look (laughs) at my own parents they eat like birds now they barely have three bites and they're full so I just thought all right you know whatever I'm 61 I was 61 at the time maybe Mm -hmm. I'm just getting older so it's it's just hard but I will I would look back and say man that was like a red alert and why didn't Mm -hmm. I or at least a little bit of a hint of something yeah And I just, I didn't address it right away because I thought, okay, I'm just going to eat a little better. I'm going to eat healthier. And I, I'm a a self healer. So I just went into automatic mode Mm -hmm. of like, I'm just going to get myself. Until you couldn't bear it anymore. And then after the stomach masses were found, Mm -hmm. I think that was the beginning of the worst two weeks of our entire lives because dad called me that day and scared the shit out of you scared the shit out of me i had a panic attack on the spot in the corner again on a walk (laughs) i get a call from you and dad who are usually very good about me saying oh i'm out i'll call you back later who said dad answered the phone and said how soon can you get to new york oh god and then he said they found masses on her stomach they think it's cancer you need to get home and then he was like don't cry <laughs> you need to be strong for mom don't cry and i was like okay okay um Ugh. yeah so i just Stephen and i stood on the street and i hyperventilated and had a panic attack yeah. and walked home which was honestly good i got a lot of looks but <laughs> <laughs> i've learned to cry in public yeah, and it's okay it's okay i just think like 
it was a scary time I've, for all of us and nobody knew how to react at that time. They were very yeah. confused about what the diagnosis was. It was two weeks of, it was two weeks of continuing unknown. for me to go. The, the, the thing that I think, I know that we played this out on social media and we have, I have the, you know, the footage. Okay. So and many people listening might've even seen all of this, but what happened in that two week period was each day it would get darker and darker and I couldn't see faces anymore. I could only see outlines of people and shapes on the street. I couldn't walk outside by myself because I wouldn't be able to know if the light changed or I just really was living in a handicapped state, which was when I think about it now, I think that had to happen. Why did that have to happen? Because everything that happened after that was a whole hell of a lot easier for me to Mm -hmm. grasp because having no sight was the most terrifying thing to yeah. a person who is visual. My whole life is based on visual. You know, I'm, I'm teaching TikTok. I'm like, I didn't, you know, directing commercials. I need my site. So I think that in a way, even though it was the worst two weeks and a half, two weeks of my life, it was also meant to happen so that I could appreciate having sight and being able to go through the rest of it without thinking it was the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. It was the worst thing ever. It was the worst two weeks. It was terrible. And at that time, Tommy, my oldest son, for those who don't know, he lives in the city and he was in the thick of it. And he was at the hospital every day at the apartment, full on support. At the time, I actually said, man, he's going to be such a great husband and father because he was so, you know, by my side and checking my medical chart daily and trying to interpret the results. He was there every night with Jenna, his now fiance. And he would come to the apartment every night, even though I was like, don't come. I can't even see your face anyway. But, you know, it was such an effort in the evenings for me, especially to keep my eyes open because my brain kept trying to get my eyes to focus. So it would just be exhausting. And I would be like, no, no, you don't have to come. And he's like, no, no, we're coming. We're coming. Uh, It was just, it was terrible. And I wasn't there. That was like the hard part for me is like, you know, hearing about it over the phone. (sighs) getting phone calls I'm still scarred to this day anytime your dad called me and I'm like not expecting it I like <laughs> you called me at like 7:45 in the morning the other day and I just like panicked <laughs> oh dear which is like we're a mess not fun but yes. it's just kind of a reality of like the aftermath now is like because I was so removed from the situation it like helped in a way that I wasn't like more freaked out which you know you guys got to pick and choose what you told me, but right, I know. at the same time, it's hard not to every have single it. phone call now is just like, oh my god, something happened. Right. Oh my god, like, like why are they calling? Why are they calling, are they calling me? me? Yeah, like, that, this is the, you know, the upside downsides of living across the country and living in another city. Yeah. and and um, I didn't want you not to do your life, you know. Yeah. So that was important. But <clears throat> during that two the, during that period, oh jeez. During that period of time, my thoughts, I know people saw on social media, oh, she's so positive. She's getting through this. I mean, yes, I was documenting everything and I was showing the tears and I was not lying. Believe me, I was like crying that I couldn't see my phone when I was trying to record myself. But I mean, the thoughts that happened beyond that of like not being able to see Tommy get married, not being able to see my grandkids if they're ever born. (laughs) There was some really dark places, you know, that that I went and I wish that I could say that I didn't go there, but I have to be truthful and say it was just um, talk about liquid death as we're looking at these things. But (laughs) all I was thinking was, I don't even know if I want to live if I'm not going to have my sight. Yeah. It just wasn't the life that I want, you know? 
And when I think about people who are blind, I feel bad that I think that way because I'm like, they have vibrant lives. I see, you yeah. know, I see tons of people who are blind. Like, what? what's the problem? Like, move on. And it, And the thing that I don't remember recording, <laughs> and I never posted it because I don't even remember recording it. I found it recently. But I remember I was... I remember thinking, I don't want to live if I, don't, if I can't see. But my recording was, well, I'm going to have to figure out how to do this blind. <laughs> so, like, even though I was, like, in a dark place, I still knew I would have to figure out a way to go on. Yeah. Even though, like, I recall it that I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And I recall it. But when I have the receipts, <laughs> I have the digital receipts, it's there. Like, I said, well, I'm going to have to figure out how to do my job now without being able to see. And what was I thinking to, to actually record that? So I know that the, even though I was in dark places and going down deep, I was still picking myself up every time. Mm-hmm. And I was still thinking positive, which is yeah. ridiculous. But it's true. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And then let's talk about one thing about being blind, because I want to kind of take a little bit of a left turn. I was still working. So even though I was couldn't see and I had you checking my emails and telling me if anything important came in and I couldn't look at my phone, I couldn't, you know, but there were still things going on and I didn't want to let those things go. So I'm going to give a really good example. So Grace McCarrick, who's our culture CEO strategist, and I, I told her that. And she's our producer right she's now. She's our producer on this <laughs> podcast right now. Okay. She, I had a PR interview for because I had just been funded for the startup and all these good things that were happening and all these exciting things that were happening. And I had just been funded and I was getting some press opportunities and I had an interview with someone and I thought I should cancel it. I'm not even going to be able to see to be on this Zoom. But I was so determined that if I had to postpone this thing, I was never going to have this opportunity again Mm -hmm. with this woman for this interview. So I spoke to Grace and I said, will you be on the call with me? And I'll just tell her that you're, you know, you're my strategist and we're working together and you're just going to listen in. Because I was terrified to get on the call. And what if I wasn't on the in the camera? How was yeah. I going to get on to this Zoom call? And I managed to get myself on this interview. And to this day, that reporter does not know that I could not see her. I touched the phone, knew where to look. And I f- walked my way through that interview like as if I had my sight. Crazy. It was insane <laughs> if I think back on it now. But I was determined. Yeah. I was determined I was not going to let my life go. Mm-hmm. I was not going to let my career be compromised. This was just something that I had to go through, but it was going to be, I'm going through it parallel with the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to stop my life, which is why I didn't want you to stop your life. Thank you. Okay. Once we finally got the diagnosis, that was almost like the light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. Like, and I know like going blind in those two weeks were the hardest part of the, like when we look back on it, uh, easily... The worst two weeks of the entire journey were those first two weeks. And, you know, once you got your official diagnosis, it's like, all right, let's go. Let's go. Now we're (laughs) going to fix it. Let's fucking do this. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the thing is, at that point... um, Uh, Do you want to share what the official diagnosis was? So So Yes, for those who don't know, I was diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I knew that I was going... Well, in your stomach. In my stomach. And it manifested. And it manifested in my eyes. And it was causing fluid behind my retina, which is causing the blindness. Which is super rare. <laughs> so rare. <laughs> I mean, and now I think that I was at such a good specialty hospital. Like they're, and they did, they did chest x-rays thinking that it must be coming from somewhere else. And I'm not sure why they didn't just do a scan down lower to find it. But mm-hmm. I guess maybe that's because it's so rare that it doesn't normally come 
from there to here. It usually mm -hmm. manifests somewhere in the, the chest region when it's a lymphoma thing that affects your eyes. So unfortunately, it was, uh, it was terrifying. And when they did make the diagnosis, they had to move very quickly to radiation to save my eyesight. Mm -hmm. And there was a chance, you know, the whole time there was a chance that I was going to lose sight completely in one eye and maybe regain some in the other eye. It was yeah. terrifying. And you went through radiation and you really started to get your eyesight back so fast. Yeah. And I was with you the day you went to see your eye doctor and you guys had a moment. Oh, we were crying. You guys were crying. <laughs> but being able to, because it was like one of the first appointments I got to go with you with because I flew home and you could tell she was shocked with how much eyesight you regained. Yes. Like sh you could tell she was you know, not 100% positive, like, yeah. things are going to come back, which is just kind of, like, makes, I don't know, me even more grateful that you were able, like, you responded so well, because she wasn't clearly super, like, she was confident in her skills, clearly, like, yeah. she's an amazing but doctor. She said she but she said she, she can't guarantee anything, so the fact that she was, like, I'm not going to guarantee anything, and I know, which sure. was, and that, I mean, to their credit, they don't want to promise you something that they can't, you know, then you're, you know, devastated, so... She had to prepare me, I guess, for worst case scenario, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So when she found out how much of my sight I regained, which is basically mm -hmm. like 100%, I can sit here and say it's on, even this glassy feeling that I had in the beginning is practically gone now. So I don't think she ever expected that mm -hmm. just from her reaction. So you did your radiation and then you started your chemo and yeah yeah that was the beginning i don't and know was, with me. i was with you i i flew home at, i was already planning to come home for fourth of july but i had come home for a week right. additionally so that i could go to your first appointments with you because it was it was really hard not being there during like, yeah. the whole thing so i felt like i needed to be here there as much as possible so i flew home and we did your first little baby chemo because it was like right. half chemo little baby chemo <laughs> We documented. So the, the beauty of having you come home was I, I got it among many other things of, you know, that you're you're my, you know, my love and everything like that. But the fact that we were on this TikTok journey together, we were on this social media fun journey and then the VC, the, you know, socialized got funded. And so we were on this like such exciting an exciting path. And mm -hmm. then this like curveball came in. And so having you around was like, bringing normalcy back into my life in a weird way. Like you were, you know, you could look at my phone for me and like do things on my phone and we can, we can maybe look at some of the videos and post them and edit them. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was getting my life back in mm -hmm. a, in a weird way. Cause, cause um, dad is of course the amazing supporter. I mean, he's like, just, uh, there's no words. I'm going to start crying if I talk <laughs> about that, but he, just the way he reacts and he makes sure like I am, he advocates for me. He's like, get you know, he's with me every step of the way. He's not with me social media wise. So it's like <laughs> I had this whole I have this whole other parallel thing going on yeah. where I and, and I missed it. I was like I was having withdrawal. And what and, was crazy to me is like once I got home and I, you know, I put all your accounts on my phone uh, so that I could do your your see, talk to your fans, your followers, <laughs> but how many noticed that you didn't, you weren't yes. on social media for like three weeks. Yeah, they were like, people, are you okay? Yeah. And it was like, and then when we did put it, we finally put together a video of all the things I was filming. So let's talk about like how crazy I was that yeah. I was blind and I took out my camera every day and filmed progress because mm -hmm. I needed to document what was happening for my own self. I don't even know if I ever thought I might post that. It was more like, well, this is what I do. 
I document my stuff. You know, I'm going through my day and I'm like, oh, I'm at a recording studio. We're doing this today. So that's like was so in my DNA that I was like, all right, well, we're going to the eye hospital and mm-hmm. I am starting to lose my vision and we're trying to figure out why. And then every day it got more intense and more yeah. like, okay, well, reality is it's a little worse today. I mean, I look back at those videos and I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I just kept going. Yeah. I kept going when I couldn't see. And then I was crying on some of them because I was like, I can't even see. I don't even know if I'm recording. And then I remember Tom coming in and saying, what are you doing? I said, <laughs> I'm trying to record this. And again, he's like, give me the phone. And he starts recording yeah. me, you know, because he was trying to help me. I Grace <sighs> and I have actually talked about that and how, you know, Dad is very much behind the camera, yes. and he does not like to be a part of anything social media related. But it's just a testament to how much he loves you that he was willing to like film you in such dark moments because he knew how important it was for you at the end of this to have yes footage. And you know, yes. if it wasn't if you didn't have that, he'd be like, "No, hell, I'm not recording you right now." You know? Right, right. But because you were in this place. And he knew how important, like as much as he is not into social media and being on the internet, he knows how important it is to you. And he respects that so much that he was able to like set that aside to like help you continue doing what you love. Because that video would not have been possible without dad. No, I know. I know. And just, and so much of it, because he could have been like, stop recording this. You know, if if he was a different kind of man, he might have been like, don't, you know, what are you doing? Like, why do you feel like you need to do, you know, he could have been that person. And instead he was like, all right, well, just keep recording it. You know, uh, eventually you're going to, Julie will be here, she'll be edited. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like that support, there is no words for that. I don't think he'll ever know how grateful I am for that. Hopefully he's listening to this, <laughs> to know that it's so appreciated that his <clears throat> belief in me doing what I love is mm-hmm. is valued. Yeah. Like he values it and mm-hmm. I just love that. So yeah. much. But uh, it was funny because when we did put it out and it was like people came out of the woodwork on social media. And we're going to have a whole documentary about this at some point that's just going to explain what this journey was and kind of looking back on it. But I think the whole time I always knew someday I'd be looking back on it because mm-hmm. when I would record, a lot of the videos are, well, one day when I'm looking at this, when I can see again, and mm-hmm. one day I'm look- when I'm looking at this and I have, you know, after I shaved my head, when my hair grows back, like things like that, I always knew that there was going to be a rearview mirror view of the situation. You just, you're always, so, I believe it's a it. testament to Truly. how positive you are because even through the whole thing, you just are so positive. Because I was going to say, after you got the diagnosis and you started chemo, it was like, everything was... It felt too normal. Me and Tommy joked that you were gaslighting us with positivity because you were so positive about everything. And me and Tommy are like telling people about everything that's happening. They're like, oh, my God, are you okay? And I'm like, how's your they're like, how's your mom? Like, she's fine. She's fine. She's 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 making TikToks, I think. Oh, so let's just talk about Jonathan for a second. Because Jonathan didn't really like he wasn't in the thick of it the way Tommy and I were. And that's just the nature of how he is. And his, his perception, yeah, and his, his perception age. of things. So I remember because you had posted <laughs> your seven-minute documentary to social media, and I said I had to talk and to you Jonathan said, first. I haven't even talked to Jonathan. No, you posted it, oh, and you I? hadn't even talked to him yet. <laughs> I thought I talked to him. First. And I remember Dad was like, "Did you tell Johnny?" And I was there with you because we call. I had to dial the phone for you. <laughs> we called him, and you go, Johnny. I'm just. I need to tell you that I I'm sick and I have cancer, but it's going to be okay. And I'm getting treatment. And I, I want to say that I did say to him, you know, do you understand when you hear the word cancer that yeah. some people die from cancer? But mm-hmm. I just want you to understand that I'm not going to die. Because Jonathan has a very big fixation and uh, curiosity and concern about you and dad 
passing away and dying. Yes, he does. He talks about it So you had to really make sure that, like, you were reassuring him that that wasn't going to happen. Right. And you were like, you know, you said it because you're like, people might come up to you and ask you about it. And I, because you're posting on social media, obviously. So he took a very long pause, a very long pause. And me and you were waiting. And he goes, So who's going to take me to Six Flags for my birthday? That's exactly right. That's (laughs) verbatim. Verbatim. Exactly those words. He said that. So who's going to take me to Six Flags? Because his birthday was in two weeks. I cracked up laughing because it was two weeks before his birthday for every year. For those who don't know, every year on his birthday, we go to Six Flags. That's our celebration. And he looks forward to it every year. It's I always take him and then whoever else is around might join. Like if you're home for the holidays, you'll join Mm -hmm. or Tommy. But uh, it's just that was what how it was going to impact him and mm-hmm. that was just like it brought me so back to reality i burst out laughing and i said oh yes don't worry you're going to get to six flags we're going to figure it out we'll work it out and that the fact that that was his concern was so grounding for me cuz i realized you know what number 1 he is okay with this like he's mm-hmm. not going to be you know have we're not going to have one more person to worry about in this in yeah. this situation but secondly that he kind of made it like it's normal like yeah you are going to be okay because next year we have to go to Six Flags too. So it was like, it was really helpful. It was really good perspective. After talking to Jonathan about it, um, really pretty shortly thereafter, I started to have some trouble breathing and I was like, what is this? What is this? And I kind of was brushing it off, but then I realized, you know, I really have to go see the doctor about it. And I just end up with a pneumonia. And when I, it was due to a lot of things that were happening and possibly a long bout of steroids without taking antibiotics to counteract that. But for whatever the reason, I ended up in the hospital for seven days for pneumonia and they couldn't figure out what type of pneumonia. They were treating me for different types of pneumonia until they finally solved it. And the day that I came home from the hospital, I will say that was probably the time that I felt the most sick yeah. was being in the hospital with pneumonia because I had, was- sh- I had a shoot that week, by the way, and I had a shoot with one of the NFL players. I'm not even going to say his name right now, but I was supposed to be, I was supposed to actually go to Texas for the shoot. And then I asked, told the client, instead of going, I'm going to do it remotely. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up doing the interview in the hospital with tubes in my nose, barely Mm -hmm. able to breathe. I was on a Zoom and he was in, he was with a cameraman and we shot, we shot the interview. I directed and interviewed that shoot while I was (laughs) in the hospital with pneumonia. And then, uh, so that was kind of a significant piece of the puzzle that we, the story that was never told. I also feel like. Aside from like the two, three weeks of waiting for the diagnosis, that was the other harder week of the whole journey because it was like you couldn't breathe. Like you're so active and you're so athletic and you you keep yourself active. And then to come visit (sighs) you in the hospital and you got winded just walking to the bathroom was was like terrifying in a different way because... You know, you going blind, I can't really see that right. you're going blind. Like, right. I can see that you can't see because right. you're walking into things. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, when I'm we're right. in the hospital and you take three steps and you're winded, terrifying. Right. Terrifying. So it was like another kind of like, holy shit moment. Like, right. you can't even breathe. And that was a really big week, I think, for a lot of reasons. For Jonathan, for me, I'll talk about for me for a second. But... That was the week where I had this really big, like, tipping point of, like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, because I had a really rough work week. And I was like, why the fuck do I care about social media right now? Why the fuck am I doing this? Like, that was, like, my whole, that was my whole week. Like, nothing, I was like, nothing matters. Like, (laughs) I went into a really dark place of, like, nothing matters. Like, why, like, I, I don't care about anything right now. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, 
That's yeah. all. I, that's that was my week. I was like, just terrified. I was like, she's. We're not even able to go for walks anymore. Like we're not even able to do this anymore. Like right. I was like, it was even worse than you being blind. Because I was like, you're gonna be just stuck. Right. And I stuck. know how important like being active is to you. So Ugh. it was like almost like that part. I was like. It was terrifying. Yeah. And I, and it was scary because I take, when I take medicine, I usually immediately get better. Yeah. And the minute I have medicine, I'm like better because that's yeah. just how I heal. And so I was like days on end and I was yeah. like, why isn't this getting better? Like, why isn't this medicine? Is it the right medicine? So that was a, that was a scary period. Yeah. And I don't know that, I mean, yes, we were making TikToks and we were having fun and I was like, oh, you know, I'm getting rid of the big tube, the snake, you know, I had some yeah. funny tick. Like I was trying to get through it in the way that I know how, mm-hmm. which is keep a sense of humor about it, which I know a lot of people maybe didn't appreciate, but it's oh, like, I got to keep did. a sense of humor because this beast is not going to beat me if I can make fun of it. We made the funniest <laughs> TikTok where it was like, you know... When you're on top of the world. When you're world. on top of the world, you're at the height of your career, like things are going great. And then it was like two seconds later, like cancer. <laughs> and I'm laid down on the floor. Like and we I'm thought that was like the funniest thing. Yeah. But I think after that hospital stay, we had one day of calm because we all went down the shore to the Jersey Shore. We all had one relaxing day before we got the call that Jonathan had been in an accident and completely shattered his spine and was like basically temporarily paralyzed from a diving board from a a jumping off a diving board, which is a high dive. So he was temporarily paralyzed for an indefinite amount of time that we were unsure of, which was just another curveball for the summer. We could have a whole, we could have a whole pod, but that just added because, Oh, we're not hit with one big whammy. We're hit with another like big thing. And it was just a lot. I think a little bit, I, I don't, never want to say, oh, well, it's good because of this and the other thing. I never like to think that way. But I think what came from that, from where I sit, is that everything was centered around me and what I was Hmm. going through. And it was like, don't be careful. Don't do, you know, everybody was like concerned about what I was going through. But once I came out of the hospital and I was done with pneumonia, Mm -hmm. it was just really now the process of going through the chemo. And I didn't need that kind of attention. And I was like, Almost a little bit um, helped by the fact that now the attention all had to be turned (laughs) to him. And even my own attention. I couldn't really be like, woe is me. I couldn't go deep inside myself. I couldn't, you know, Tom had to focus over there. Mm-hmm. I could, I'm an adult. I could take care of myself. I can go to my appointments. I can get myself to and from, you know, once you were going to go back home and get back to your life, like mm-hmm. I was able to ca- keep going on. But at least there was another focus so that it wasn't like this whole consuming bubble of me going through it. And I will say that helped me because it was perspective. Mm-hmm. It was like now he might not be able to walk. Like I'm going to come out of this. Mm-hmm. I, he might be paralyzed for life. So it just one you can't make up this story. Like no, if somebody wrote the true. script, they'd be like, don't write that in. That's absurd. That's too dramatic. <laughs> that's way too dramatic. That's, that's too ridiculous. Don't write that one. <laughs> in the meantime, like life wrote it us happened. that script. Yeah. And it's crazy to think about it. And, you know, we, you know, we're blessed that he, you know, did get his, his yeah, mobility back he's and he's recovered. able to walk and he's got his life back and everything. I think. I also think it a little bit helped me to have Tom focus on him. Yeah. <clears throat> because he was always so worried about me and always, you know, so it gave him like a, uh, a nice bonding with Jonathan where he could spend the time with him. Whereas mm-hmm. usually the things with Jonathan, like I would be so heavily involved and I had to back off because mm-hmm. I had to take care of myself. So there was just like I always say things crazy as they are do happen for certain reasons. I feel like that that whole scenario helped us all get through it mm-hmm. because we all had we could focus. We all had our focus on how we on how we 
proceeded. And I liked being able to go to my appointments by myself sometimes and be independent and go to the chemo alone. And people are like, you want company? No, I want to do my work. <laughs> I want to be by myself. Yeah. You know, once you're not there with me at chemo making TikToks, I don't need company. You know, <laughs> I just needed my TikTok assistant. Well, your content producer content over queen. here. I would get the behind the scenes footage. I know, it was but... the best. We went live one time at a, at a chemo. That was fun. And we did, we always made content and that just kept me happy. And, and I had felt like I had a purpose. Mm-hmm. And I love that the response on my social media that was so cool was, you know, my, my followers and I quote the students that I was teaching on TikTok were so there. They made videos for me. They were like, we're praying for you. I felt like I was lifted up by prayers at one point. I was crying on a TikTok when I was like, I hear the little dings in my phone when I couldn't see. And I felt like I was being lifted up by angels. Like all this beautiful positivity that came from social media for mm-hmm. me. It was so meaningful and it made such a, a difference, but the whole experience gave me purpose. Mm-hmm. So where I was teaching people how to do TikTok tutorials, someone wrote in my comments, yeah, I came to you for, t- for tutorials about TikTok and now I'm learning about life. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was beautiful. You have the nicest, you have built such like a nice community around your aura of being a positive person. Yeah, I just love it so much. And you it's know? just like your positivity has repaid you in the thousands and that only positive people follow you and support yes, you. Yes, I feel that so grateful that I don't get a lot of negativity and mm-hmm. hate. And, you know, and when it is, it's just minor stuff. So it's not even anything that I really take to heart. So it has been just an incredible journey to have lived it out on social media in real time. And whether or not people wanted to see it, they could just scroll on. Yeah. It felt good for me. It was therapeutic for me to share. Mm-hmm. It also helped me document what was happening because I always had like, wait a minute, when did that happen? I could always look back at my videos, yeah. which is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I can't make it up. And I can't rewrite history. Like I could say, I was so positive or I never cried. Well, no, we're going to look at the mm-hmm. videotape. <laughs> yeah. And now how do you feel that you have officially, you're cancer free? So I feel I feel so good and I'm gonna address a couple of things about being cancer free. So the first thing is when it's over, for me it wasn't like over immediately because I had back pain and they had to do further testing, but when I finally was able to get that clearance and say, Oh, you're cancer free, I didn't immediately feel like myself mm-hmm. because I don't know chemo affects a lot of people in a different ways. Let's face it, it's like kind of poison that's killing other bad things in your body, but it's also taking an attack on the rest of your good things in your body. Mm -hmm. So I would walk with you and I'm like, I could barely keep up with walking with her when I was always the faster walker, for example. (laughs) You know, like you used to always go, we don't have to do a power walk. And I'd be like, I'm not, I'm just walking normal. And now I couldn't keep up. I couldn't keep up with you. So it was a little devastating to me to Mm -hmm. think like that my gut feeling on experiencing chemo was that I aged 10 years in yeah. a, in a six month, four month period. And that was terrifying. And I thought, well, like, is this it now? Is this how I'm mm-hmm. going to be? But now, even since then, as I'm here on this trip and we're together and I'm like, oh, I'm walking and I'm not feeling like I can't keep up with you anymore. Mm-hmm. And this feels so good. So I know it's baby steps and I'll get there, but it took a real toll on me physically as yeah. a person who was running and at the gym and, you know, loved doing my weight training and whatnot. So I was a little devastated yeah. by that part of it. And the other thing is that even though I'm clear of cancer, I now have to grow my hair back. And I know that sounds trivial in the big scheme of things and vain and vain and, you know, why are you caring about that? But my hair growing and when it was gone, when you shaved my head, I accepted it. I'm like, I have to go through this. But now that I have to grow it back, I feel like I'm not myself. Mm -hmm. So when I wake up in the morning and I feel like, oh, I'm I'm myself now. I'm getting back to me physically. I'm starting to feel better. 
I still look in the mirror and see a post-cancer cancer survivor person mm-hmm. who now has to travel through a year to get back to any kind of hair growth that looks like my fine wig right here. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is kind of how my hair was. So I know that maybe I'm going to be coming, maybe my hair will grow and I'll be have a new vibe. Mm-hmm. But right now I look in the mirror and I don't feel like me. So yeah. people could say, well, oh, just embrace who you are. You look like a badass. It's great. You know, it's all you this. Like I know you think I know. I look I'm like sorry. A, they know that Julie loves it so much that I look like a badass. But that's still, I look in the mirror. That doesn't remind me of mm-hmm. me. So it's a real hard struggle and it's a real hard truth. And I, f- I feel like from my perspective on my end, and we can wrap up, but. I am relieved that you are cancer free and I think you look like a badass and I'm really happy about it. And I even talked to Grace about this, how I feel like, you know, relieved that you have this clearance. I don't feel closure at all from this like whole experience, like at all. Like I'm still trying to like figure out like how to live a little bit, I guess. And, like, not be terrified when you guys call me or, like, not be concerned that if I'm not there, you know, when you did go to the hospital for pneumonia, I was like, Mom, you need to talk to your doctor. You need to do this. Like, you know, there's, like, that innate thing where, like, you know, you think you can do it yourself that you have and that you can just power through things. And that, like, usually is a thing that makes me really happy and, like, proud of you. But for this, it, like, terrifies the shit out of me because I'm like... Like someone needs to make sure you like go do that. Like I have no closure. I have no closure on this because I'm like still so worried that like something's going to happen. This speaks (laughs) to a little bit of our Freaky Friday relationship, (laughs) which we were going to name this podcast Freaky Friday at one point. But the whole idea that sometimes you are more the mom and I'm more the like the free spirit. And I'm like, let's do this and let's rent scooters. And, you know, like we that has always been something in our relationship that, you know, that you know, is it's part of what our relationship yeah. is. Like, you're like tell, giving me directions, mom, turn here. And, you know, yeah. and it's just funny. And it's the funny part of us, but it's also inconvenient for someone who's trying to heal. Like, you're trying to recover from this. I've healed from it. My aftermath is I have to freaking grow my hair back, and you think it looks great. And I think I look like another person that is yeah. not me. So I think before we sign off on this, I should do a quick for the videotape reveal. Let's just pop off these headphones for a second, and then I'm just going to pop this off for a second. Because I think it looks so good. I know. Here we go. Look at that. (laughs) Okay. Okay, here we are. I have no idea if it's spiking up or whatever. I did just get it cut this morning. We went to a barber, and I got it shaped because I'm ready to embrace it as it starts to grow. But it is still terrifying to me to see myself and see who <laughs> I don't feel like I am myself still. Even though I know emotionally I am, I look in the mirror and I see something else. So that's where we are. And we're going to both of us have to heal <laughs> in a different way. Don't you think? Oh, I think you're a badass. Isn't it? Like, <laughs> oh. Oh, you look incredible. Like, I don't like I know you have to look like yourself, but I think you look, you know, awesome. Like, I don't know. I think like I always I feel like lately I've been doing the thing where I'm like, what would you have told me? I know. And I remember I have such a strong memory of like in third grade going to school with crazy hair day. And I was like, 
my hair is too crazy. I can't do this. Like, and you were like, Julie, just do it. You got it. Like, come on. It's so cool. And like, that's how I feel about you right now. You oh. look so cool. Like, I think you look so badass. And it's like such a vibe. And like, well, I'm going to try and embrace it. <laughs> I'm going to embrace it on vacation and see how I can, yeah, you know, how I can move forward. And I think um, I'm trying to be more accepting of myself to okay. say that. There's a reason why the wig gives me comfort, and it's also okay to accept myself as I am. So the two will meet soon enough, I promise you that. Okay? Okay. Yours truly. Helen and Julie. (laughs) Now I'm going to go cry. Oh, God, that was really a rough one. Thanks for taking the emotional ride with us today. If you enjoy the podcast, we'd love you to give us a review or rating. It would mean so much to us. Here's where to find us off the podcast. I'm at The Mothership, that's T-H-E-M-U-T-H-E-R-S-H-I-P on TikTok and Instagram. And Julie is at Truly Julie, that's T-R-U-L-Y-J-U-L-I without an E. And this podcast has an Instagram account at yours truly dot the podcast. And of course, together we are hellosocialize.com, working to bring you all the workshops, tutorials, the creative forecast weekly email with content ideas and trend alerts to help make your content creating journey easier. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>